So our text this evening is uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 as we continue our study through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Our focus will be on the first four verses, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Many times we have seen or heard evidences of the fact that God is the one who enables people to believe upon him. There are many Christians who give the testimony of how before they were saved, friends, loved ones spoke to them even again and again and again about sin and their need to turn to Christ for salvation, and yet for quite some time they rejected that gospel. But then one day suddenly it all became clear and they believed. Others will speak of how gradually, over a period of time, they came to understand and believe a message that they once hated or ignored. But whether quickly or through a gradual process, what has happened is a change of heart that took place through a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the elect sinner. Meanwhile, likely you can, you can relate to having tried to reach someone yourself with the message of the gospel. And it can seem sometimes that there are a lot of roadblocks that, that, uh, that we can face. Um, perhaps you have a meeting set up and it has to be canceled. Try to get alone with a person to talk about spiritual matters and somebody or something always seems to interfere. And sometimes it seems like you are in a battle even just to have a spiritual conversation with someone. And there are places, even whole countries throughout the world, where the gospel seems to meet with continual obstacles. And yet other places where the seed of the gospel is easily sown and the fruit is abundant. It becomes readily apparent that on both the personal level and on the broader level of entire countries, there are both open and closed doors to the gospel. And what must be clear to you is that God is in charge of the progress of the gospel, which is exactly why Paul urges the church of Thessalonica to pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Is it not true that we pray for things that we believe God can do? And we are to pray for the success of the word out of the belief that God is in charge of its success. If we think first for a moment about gospel reception on the personal level, we find there are times when people are eager to receive the gospel and times when they are not. And the question can be asked, why? And if you are of an Arminian theological persuasion, you would probably explain the differences as uh, the differences due to differences in people's personalities, differences in circumstances, differences in gospel presentation, What I'm getting at is in the end, the Arminian looks to some human explanation 
for salvation and for a person's receptivity to the gospel. Meanwhile, the Bible teaches that every instance of salvation is due to the gracious work of God. Romans 9.16 says, So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. And how could it be any different when the sinner is dead in trespasses and sins? Salvation occurs when God works through his word and spirit to regenerate the elect sinner so that he no longer rejects the gospel, but instead accepts it in faith and in repentance. And God giving some sinners the gift of faith is what makes the difference. Ultimately, God is in control of whether or not people hear and receive the gospel. God is in charge of how open or closed a country is to the gospel. When God desires to save a nation, he opens the doors to missionary activity. To do this, he may put Christians in leadership positions in that country. He may work in the hearts even of unbelievers who are in power so that they at least tolerate Christianity. He may use hardships in that nation, whether famine or disease or war, to make it desirable for the government to allow the outside help of missionaries. Missionaries who can come in, who are in some cases experts in agriculture or in medicine, or who can bring crates, like we were just talking about, to Ukraine, who can then share their faith in the context of bringing these these practical physical helps to the nation. The ways that God opens doors are numerous, but the point is God is the one who opens them. So what about Satan and his opposition to the gospel? In this gospel age, Satan is on a short leash so that the gospel can go forth to the ends of the earth, and yet his opposition is still very real. It is hard to understand why God allows Satan even some leeway in hindering the spread and reception of the gospel. Uh, he's, he's the one who, who's behind false teachers and anti-Christian governments and persecution. And while we accept that Satan has a role in the plan of our all-wise God, it remains our duty, from our perspective and from what we know, to pray that Satan's work would be curtailed in order that the word of the Lord can speed ahead and be honored, as we read here in our text, where Paul says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Meanwhile, Paul, in his work of ministry, is very familiar with Satan's attempts to disrupt the work of God, and he would experience much more opposition later. But already at this point in his ministry, as he writes this second letter To the Thessalonians, he has known great opposition by enemies. Back during his first missionary journey, while in Antioch of Pisidia, Paul preached to both Jews and Gentiles, many of whom believed. And we read in Acts 13, verses 44 and following, uh, these words. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I made you a light for the Gentiles, 
<coughs> that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And this is just one example from Paul's life, uh, but a good example to use to explain what it was that Paul desired when he asked the Thessalonian Christians to pray for him and Silas and Timothy. In verse 1 of our text, again, he asks that they pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. He wants the, the, the word to be spread despite opposition, and as it is spread, his desire is that it would be believed. Um, Paul means here by the word of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He means the message of forgiveness of sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That message, that good news, which speaks of how there is salvation through repentance of sin and faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul's desire is that his ministry would be successful in that the spreading of that word of the Lord would be unhindered that many would be able to hear it, and that the, Lord, uh, that the word of the Lord would be honored through belief in it. Just like we read occurring there in Acts, again, notice Acts 13, 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, that is, that the gospel was not only for the Jews, but also for them, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. When the word is accepted by faith, when that work brings about changes in the lives of the elect who, who hear this word, that word is honored. That word is glorified. The word honored. And it says here that the prayer is that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. That word honored means to have a good opinion. It, it's, it talks, it, it's a word that refers to praise. It means to extol, to magnify, or to celebrate something. It means basically to glorify it, which is why some of the English translations, instead of the word honor, have the word glorified. Um, it means to speak of the dignity and worth of something. Paul wanted people in their hearts to know how glorious and magnificent salvation in Christ is. And the word is honored when people uh, burst into praise and, and rejoice and delight over the word of the Lord. When Paul asks the believers in Thessalonica to pray for the spread, for the reception of the gospel, he reminds them that such was the case with themselves. Verse 1, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. As happened among you. Paul is referring in these words, both to the open door and belief that the gospel received in Thessalonica. In fact, Paul spends a great deal of time in 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2, pointing out by way of example the positive response that the Thessalonian believers gave to the gospel. Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes that he, Silas and Timothy, Thank the Lord for the evidences in them of God's election. And what specifically is the proof of their election? It says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
And then in verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And then verse 13, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So these examples tell us that Paul was not only familiar with hindrances to the gospel, but also familiar with the ability of the gospel to go forward, even despite Satan's attempts at stopping it. As I read a moment ago in Acts, the gospel went forward in Antioch among the Gentiles. It went forward in Thessalonica. It went forward from town to town and house to house. How is this? By the grace of God. And it was grace that enabled Paul to keep preaching despite persecution and shipwreck and even imprisonment. It was grace that opened men and women's hearts to receive the word of the Lord. And Paul knew this. He knew that the power of the gospel did not reside with him. It wasn't through his persuasive words of wisdom that people were coming to Christ. It was the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's word that was changing people's lives. Yes, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they all played a part in the work of spreading that word. Yes, they were God's ambassadors. At the same time, they knew that their work was nothing without God. They knew that for there to be success with the gospel... God had to be pleased to use them. Think of the Apostle Paul. He had many needs and concerns, and any number of them could have ended up in this list of prayer requests, and yet the two that he lists concern the furtherance of the gospel. We can imagine him asking for prayer for food, which he sometimes lacked, or for shelter, which he also lacked from time to time. He, he might have asked for prayer that he would not be beaten or imprisoned, robbed or shipwrecked, and the focus may have even been upon his own comfort. But Paul wasn't concerned about what particulars happened to him just as long as the work of ministry went forward. The language that Paul uses of the word speeding ahead, it's the language of the running of a race. And the idea is that as long as the gospel is moving ahead, as long as it is progressing, as long as it is spreading swiftly, he is happy. That's what he longs for, regardless of what happened to him personally along the way. And a perfect example of this perspective is seen when Paul is sitting in prison writing to the Philippian church in a spirit of rejoicing. In Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14 And he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by imprisonment, are much more more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul could rejoice even 
with his imprisonment because of how the word was speeding ahead. Paul could rejoice in whatever circumstances he was in as long as the gospel was moving forward. And so that's why now with the Thessalonians, he, there's nothing here of requests that have to do with his personal comfort. These requests focus on the gospel. He's been praying for the spiritual well-being of the Thessalonians, and he now prays, um, asks for prayer for himself and his comrades, and the prayer that he asks is with respect to their work of ministry. And Paul's attention to prayer is an example to us of our need to be more often in prayer for one another. And take notice that while Paul completely believed in the sovereignty of God, he also equally believed in the importance of prayer. Um, prayer is one of the means that God uses to bless his people. It's, it, it also puts us in a spirit of dependence upon God so that he can better use us. And God answers prayer. Uh, he commands us to pray. And then as the greatest incentive in all the world promises us that if we pray according to his will, He will grant our requests. So do you pray for others? Do you feel a pressing need to pray for others and then to have others pray for you? That would be a definite application of this text for us. Paul asked for prayer that the word would speed ahead and be honored, even as it had been in the lives of the Thessalonian Christians. That's his first request. And as Paul sought God's glory in the spread of the gospel, he recognized that there were enemies. Men who are not of faith and who in fact use their lives in opposition to faith. He therefore asks as his second prayer request that he, Silas, and Timothy may be delivered from wicked and evil men. Verse 2. So finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored has happened among you, verse 2, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. And when Paul presents this prayer request, it seems that he has a particular group of men in mind. And a clue is found in the Greek when it refers to these men as the wicked and evil men. Uh, There's a definite article And most likely, Paul is thinking of the situation in Corinth, for he was in Corinth as he was writing this second letter to the Thessalonian church. And these particular men that he has in mind are first, he says, wicked men. And the Greek word means out of place, not befitting, unbecoming, improper, wicked, unrighteous, uh, inconvenient, harmful. Some have suggested that probably unrighteous, would be as good a translation as anything. These, are, these men are lawbreakers who are not right with God. They are also evil men. And uh, this is a word that means full of labors and annoyances and hardships, bringing toils, annoyances, and peril of a time full of peril to Christian faith and steadfastness, causing pain and trouble, bad as of a bad nature or condition, Ethically, evil, wicked, bad. And as we put these, these two words together, we can picture these wicked men and the concern that Paul had. These men were doing all they could to make the lives of Christians miserable. They were not just wicked in the sight of God, but determined to oppose those with faith. 
They were trying by means of hardship, by means of persecution, to destroy the faith of Paul and fellow Christians. They were determined to stop the spread of the gospel. And Paul asks that prayers be offered that he and his comrades in ministry might be delivered or rescued from such unrighteous and evil men. These men clearly do not have faith. They clearly do not listen to the word of the Lord, do not honor the word of the Lord, and in fact have given themselves to opposing the word of the Lord. And there were such people in Corinth, Jews who set themselves up against Christ and his ambassadors. We don't know exactly the the form that their evil took, but we know from their description. We know from other instances of opposition that are recorded for us that there were people willing to do just about anything to stop Paul and his ministry. And from such, Paul seeks deliverance for the cause of the gospel because from a human perspective, these men were setting themselves up as a roadblock to his work. We can't help but pause and think for a moment of how Paul himself was once determined to stop the spread of the gospel. He was one of these wicked and evil men. God graciously changed him, converted him. He became one of the greatest sowers and reapers of the word of the Lord of all time. And we ought to pray that those today who oppose the truth that the evil and wicked men of today will likewise be converted. We need the reminder that this evil opposition to the gospel is a reality. We don't always understand why God allows evil to stand in the way of the gospel. Um, sometimes God's word has the victory against, over against great opposition, and certainly God's sovereignty is exalted in those cases. Other times the gospel seems to meet with defeat. And we must simply trust God's ways. But regardless of either outcome, we are to do our part to pray and ask that the Lord would bless. But even though there are wicked and evil men who have no faith, the Lord is faithful. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So Paul in verse 3 there tells the Christians with no shadow of doubt, there's there's no um, uncertainty whatsoever as he says the Lord is faithful and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. What this means in practical terms is that Paul is persuaded that These Christians are doing and will continue to do the things that he has taught them about the way of salvation, about how to stay strong in the faith. He knows that they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation. Um, Furthermore, Paul is confident that they will continue in that doctrine that they were taught. Well, how can Paul say this? Does he say this because he has confidence there in the believers there in Thessalonica, perhaps in their goodness or in their spirituality. No, he says we have confidence in the Lord about you. Verse 4, and we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. He knows that their salvation is the Lord's work. It's a work that the Lord is never going to fail to uphold. 
As a result, not one of his sheep is ever lost. Now notice Paul is not talking about a confidence that they are never going to falter in their faith or uh, that they're never going to fall into sin. Fact is, the Thessalonian Christians, just like us, are unfaithful much of the time. Our confidence, therefore, must not lie in ourselves, but in our God, who is faithful to us and faithful to complete what he has begun in us. We are unfaithful, but God is faithful. And it's part of his faithfulness that he daily leads you to repent and to put your trust in Christ crucified. This is part of his work of making sure that his word is being honored in our lives. Um, You can recognize his work in giving you a greater love for Christ in his word that leads to a growing desire to obey him. And when you hear the word of the Lord and you pay attention and you do what it says, you honor it. Now, perfectly, no. But then you honor the word of the Lord by doing with your sin what God calls you to do in his word, which is to repent. We need to repent of our lack of honoring the word and to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Sometimes honoring the word then is a matter of repentance. And since the word has been spread among us, it's been spread among you, honored among you, as you have received Christ's forgiveness, the next way then to honor that word is to yourself spread that word to others and to pray for it spread by others and that it will be honored by all who hear. Let us include prayer for those who are on the front lines, who daily face opposition, especially our missionaries. And remember that despite man's evil and the devil's opposition to the gospel, God is the one who opens doors, personally and and nationally. He is the one who allows his word to speed ahead and be honored as he pleases. But let's take up this prayer as a way to to show that we have ourselves a desire to see God's elect gathered And out of the knowledge that he is the one who must bless all evangelistic efforts. Amen. Let us pray. Our great God and Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that for us the word was able to speed ahead and be honored. That, Father, through a work of your Holy Spirit, we were able to hear the word the words of truth, the words of life, and that through your Holy Spirit, uh, we have received that word. We have, we have recognized the truth of ourselves as sinners. We have recognized the truth of Jesus Christ as our only hope and the truth of what he has done on the cross as our Savior from sin. Father, we thank you for how uh, we even now recognize your word as the source of wisdom uh, the, the book that is to guide our lives. And Father, we pray that more and more your word would be honored in our lives. We ask that you would forgive us for the ways that we don't honor your word. Um, Father, we recognize within us uh, uh, that we do not love your word like we should. We do not love Christ like we should. Father, this grieves us. And uh, we ask that more and more your word would have an impact on our lives. We pray for the word to speed ahead in our community, in our nation, in the world. We pray for the work of missionaries. 
And we pray that not only would that word be spread, but that it would be honored, that there would be people who would receive it, who would see the value and worth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and would give themselves uh, to Christ. We, Lord, pray that uh, we would be delivered from wicked and evil men as this work is carried out. Uh, We recognize that not all have faith, and yet, Father, you are faithful, and we thank you that you establish and you guard your people against the evil one. We pray, Lord, that you would establish and guard us, and uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would continue to do the things uh, that you have started in our lives, this work of salvation, and give us, we pray, more and more, um, Lord, a desire to obey you in all things. So, Father, we pray for ourselves, but we also pray uh, for uh, the, the work of ministry throughout the world, that it would speed ahead and be honored. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.